0: Hey, you listen to conservative talk radio all week. Why don't you try something different for a change? The Majority Report with Sam Cedar is a five-time award-winning daily left-wing political talk show. We go live every weekday at 11 a.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel. You can find it by searching for The Majority Report. We talk about the news. We take libertarian callers. We have debates. We interview guests on topics ranging from the post-Civil War Reconstruction era child poverty, capitalism, the intellectual dark web, and more. And that's all just within the last month. If you want to hear what smart, progressive political talk that is occasionally amusing sounds like, then you need to tune in. And you're always welcome to call in if you want to hear the correct opinion on any given topic. I will give it to you. Tune in to The Majority Report at 11 a.m. Central Time on YouTube or later wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, David Story. On the line, we've got Brandon Magner, author of Labor Law, Light on Substack.com. Thank you very much, uh, Brandon, for sticking with us through these technical difficulties. We appreciate it. We were talking about about how these anti-union meetings are, are really effective and really... Uh, you know, you didn't mention mention this, but they're 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 or, or you mentioned that they're unfair, but really they're in my view coercive. Uh, you know, by their very nature of being on the clock, being given by people who have a supervisory role. Um, but you know, I, I I've talked to conservatives about the PRO Act and how how this will this will make these mandatory anti union meetings illegal, and they say that's. That's anti-free speech. That's um, you know, basic, basically the kind of that's cancel culture kind of thing. I think that's silly. Uh, how would you respond to that?
2: Well, I'd respond by first saying that that was once the NLRB's position: is that unfair labor practice. I mean, uh, captive audience meetings were an unfair labor practice because they were coercive. Under section 8a1 of the NLRA, um, that got overturned because of free. I think that they the NLRB eventually, under the Eisenhower administration, bought into that free speech argument. Um, and it became such a mainstay in labor organizing drives that I think no one's really uh tried to go back and uproot it. But that's not a, that's not a radical position at all, and that's not at all a guaranteed position, or that's not at all a guaranteed outcome that it is a. I don't know. Maybe they're making it first like violates the constitution or something. But really, I mean, you can regulate all sorts of things that employers do at the workplace. Otherwise, OSHA is unconstitutional. But um, right. the uh, there's no guarantee that. Or really, I mean, the labor law should not allow employers to be to take people take uh, all their employees into a room and force them to listen to any message for four hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's. I think you're right that that's that's a asymmetry under the law, and I think the pro act recognizes that and makes makes these captive audience meetings an unfair labor practice as they once were. Um, And that's important because one, that takes away the employer's main weapon that they use in an organizing drive to get out their message. But two, uh, the PRO Act changes the, 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 uh, the calculus for how it arrives at when an employer should have to issue a bargaining order for committing violations of labor law during an organizing drive by saying that if you commit any unfair labor practice or you otherwise interfere in an election, uh, too much that upsets the, that takes away employees' freedom of choice during the election, you have to bargain with the union as long as the union was able to demonstrate that at some point before the election, they had majority support within the proposed bargaining unit. And that's extremely important because that puts the employer in a very strict, confined area of what they're allowed to do and say during the election And a lot of their current methods are all unfair labor practices. So if you screw up and you and you try to coerce your employees, then you may have just lost the entire thing. And Mm -hmm. then you have to then now there's a union you have to bargain with. So I think that radically shifts how they approach organizing drives. And not only that, but they aren't allowed under the PRO Act. uh, They wouldn't be allowed under the PRO Act to participate in the pre-election hearings that we saw that were so uh, pivotal with Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, it takes away employers' standing their 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 right to participate in
1: these in these hearings. Well, so from on the that, employer. yeah, on that, uh, uh, you know, circling back to the unfair labor practices during an election resulting in mandatory bargaining with the union, like the union getting in. This is something yeah. that I had actually misunderstood for a long time. I thought that there was automatic. Mm-hmm card check in the pro act mm-hmm. that is not actually the case uh, and and there was a lot of concern about uh, you know it feigned concern i guess i should say about the preservation of the secret ballot mm-hmm. and, um, and and that and that card check does away uh, it, it, card check uh, because it it doesn't necessitate a uh, uh, secret ballot that that's bad it's bad for democracy it's bad you know whatever they can be intimidated and and you know the idea that a un an out like the the union RWDSU can intimidate people more than Amazon is just it's silly it's silly and I think people need to recognize that but the pro act doesn't institute card check it actually. More than uh, this, this clause of the PRO Act, more than anything else, and more than anything certainly proposed by Republicans, preserves the dignity of the secret ballot because it says, like you said, if they show that there was at one point a majority support for the union and there w- and there were done unfair labor practices that could could have coerced people into voting against the union, then then they get they get the union because there was that majority support previously. And so it really preserves the process of the secret ballot and says, look, you've got a right to, you've got a right through this process to an election and to a secret ballot. And if the employer uh, violates that right, then we will believe the first thing that you said, which is that you want a union.
2: Right. I think you just summed it up very well. And I think that was probably put in there to, um, take away a lot of employers' eventual arguments against um card check or being part of the pro action I mean you know it, it's funny because a lot of them still think I think from that erroneous reading of the law I think they still think that there's card check but you haven't right. seen the sort of overwhelming I mean when I remember the late 2000s when card check was a thing and you had ads being run all the time and just like oh they're trying to take away your your right to your right to vote basically and I think who knows maybe that's because of voting rights are so prominent right now mm-hmm. in uh, elsewhere in the political landscape um, that maybe they wanted to keep this Uh, this feeling of um, this election machinery still in place in the NLRB because card check would have really done away a lot of, of, a lot of that. Um, Right. But I think you're right that it's, it it creates a good, it's a good political argument for the pro act that it keeps Mm -hmm. this secret ballot provision in place. But it says that as long that you, you get to still have the secret ballot, as long as the employer doesn't, blatantly violate the law in some way. Right. And then because at that point, they kind of forfeit their right to uh, to have this process because it's it's mm-hmm. only there in place, assuming that there's two good faith parties here, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, trying right. to pitch their message to the employees. But it, but if one's going outside the law to do it, then right. why should they have the equal say in the arena?
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a really good... Uh, I think I, I even personally like this better than card check because this says... Mm uh you know yeah. you, uh, well i mean look, look you know it says look there's a secret there's a there's a secret ballot and um and and if you uh, uh and, and and you know because the the problem that i have with the way that the nlrb elections are done is that uh, they allow the employer to gerrymander the unit. They allow the employer to commit ULPs as a practice. And and uh, why can they why can they uh, violate the law just as a general practice? The answer to that is because the um, the the penalties for it. Are so inconsequential that it can just become a cost of doing business, you know, and, and and so and and so then they win the election by violating the law, and then the union's options are okay. Do we put the pro? Do we put the workers through another election, or do we just give up? And uh and, and you know by saying okay, the penalty for violating the law is that these workers who have already expressed a desire to have a union, they have a union. That's a pretty. That's a real penalty, and that's going to that's going to set the stage in my mind for a genuinely fair secret ballot election. And I I don't I think that sounds good. Yeah,
3: I Absolutely. mean, I you know, the the, the and I, and I'll say one thing, and then I'll digress because I'm a big proponent of card check for the simple fact that without card check, it makes. It, it gives the appearance that the union is a third party, hmm. and the the at issue is if if you have card check and if you have a majority of of uh, employees in that workplace sign a card, then, then it's over. It, right. In other words, putting putting uh, pitting the uh, a union against an employer and and bringing in a government agency is absolute. I can't say what I want to say. But it's a, it's absolute crap. <laughs> right. Uh you know because the employees are the union and once they sign the cards then it should be an an accepted thing. Mm-hmm. Private ballot I mean this this whole idea of 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 a private ballot is horse crap. Mm-hmm. Uh you know if if the employees decide they want a union then they're a union. Simple as that. And I, and and but I'm not I'm not arguing yeah, it's no. a pro act I'm just saying to to make this sound like this is a great win if we do get the pro act i still think it's terrible it's just Mm. barely barely equal
2: in the playing field barely Mm. 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 no and i i think that if you take the from the union perspective i think car check is the natural conclusion that you come to when it comes to um the employer shouldn't be allowed to have any say right it should be the employee's choice they present they they come to the employer as a union and they're saying okay well now bargain with us that's probably true i think though the reason why you have this system this this election machinery still being used in the product is because the the nlra for 85 years has been used has been using the rhetoric of industrial democracy Um, there's been a lot of good research and scholarship that shows that the nlra has always been tied to when people try to defend it or they they when they push it through uh, congress originally it was to it was to create a system of political democracy Ported over into the workplace. And so right. in that, and yep. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think that when you're working within those confines, the secret ballot makes sense rhetorically.
1: Yeah, we'll pick that up on the other side. Stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. Huntsville's number one news
0: talk and weather station. <laughs> WVNN Athens. At WVNN FM Trinity. a Cumulus station. It's 10 o'clock. From ABC News. I'm Brian Clark. Almost 1.6 million air travelers move through TSA checkpoints on Friday. It's the busiest air travel day of the pandemic. And travel was the theme of Friday's announcement from CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky.
4: Fully vaccinated grandparents can fly to visit their healthy grandkids without getting a COVID-19 test or self-quarantining, provided they follow the other recommended prevention measures while traveling.
0: She said domestic travel is safe for people who are two weeks past their final vaccine dose, but that non-essential travel is still not recommended because of high case numbers. Former CDC director Dr. Thomas Frieden tells ABC, You have to continue to mask up, and you don't want to have a family traveling with some people vaccinated some
4: people unvaccinated and going on travel, because we know that we're heading into the fourth surge.
0: Major League Baseball announced Friday it will take this summer's All-Star game out of Atlanta because of the state's new voting law. ABC's Elwin Lopez says... Georgia's governor blasting the
2: decision, labeling it a a knee-jerk reaction.
0: Major League Baseball has caved to the cancel culture. Now that they're coming after your baseball game, they're going to come after your business, they're going to come after your way of life. But I will tell you, I'm not backing down.
2: Critics call it a means to suppress historically disenfranchised voters in urban and suburban counties while proponents argue that it makes the state's elections more secure by, for example, adding new ID requirements for
0: absentee ballots. Governor Kemp will speak with reporters today. U.S. Capitol Police are in mourning after Officer William Evans was killed in a confrontation Friday with a man who authorities say rammed barriers outside and lunged at officers with a knife. His childhood friend Jason LaForest says... It it is, uh, you know, incredibly sad and just surreal, um, you know, to know
4: that, Billy died, uh, you know, serving our country, uh, doing something that he loved
0: so much. You're listening to ABC News. It's such a beautiful night. Look at the stars. They're amazing. Did you know 20% of stars have planets orbiting them
1: capable of sustaining life?
0: How did you know that? You must spend a ton of time reading.
1: Not at all. I use Blinkist.
0: Blinkist? Yeah, it's an app
1: that takes key insights from over 4,000 nonfiction bestsellers and gathers them into 15-minute blinks for you to read or listen to. With
0: Blinkist, you can learn the main points of an entire book in just 15 minutes as opposed to days or weeks.
4: What kind of books?
0: Nonfiction books in over 27 categories from personal development to history, management, investing, philosophy, and more. Books like A Beautiful Mind, The 4-Hour Workweek, Freakonomics, and Sapiens. Blinkist makes it easy to learn about pretty much anything.
2: <laughs> like the stars?
0: <laughs> Even the stars. <laughs> right now, radio listeners get 25% off plus one free week when you go to Blinkist Com slash grow. To get this special offer, go to Blinkist.com slash grow. That's B L I N K I S T dot com slash G-R-O-W.
1: WVNN Afternoons with Yaffy. Weekdays 2 till 5 p.m. Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just
3: a bunch of racist rednecks? Or well, tune in to Dixie Land of the Proletariat Podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events to a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy. Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord William, the Creek Don't Rise.
4: We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the proletariat, y'all. The land. A population burned to
3: a and you like to fight!
1: Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story on the line. We've got Brandon Magner, a labor lawyer, author of Labor Law Light on Substack. And you were saying that um, at least rhetorically the, the secret ballot, it, it, it seems to be good, even if card check would be the optimal thing. And I, 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 I would at least agree with you there um, for sure. So, uh, so the um, circling back to the captive audience meeting, somebody asked this at, uh, uh, in our YouTube chat, and I wonder about, uh, I wonder how you feel about it—the right of response instead of out, outright banning captive audience meetings, because the issue again with, with captive audience meetings is not only that they are, you know, they're, they're coercive. Um, but also that they're unfair, uh, meaning that the union does not have the uh, the union doesn't have that kind of unfettered access to uh, to the workers that the employer does, and so they get all this time to every single worker in, worker in the plant as a condition of employment. You know, uh, you know, uh, conservatives hate that in some states. Um, Paying representation fees can be a condition of employment, but, you know, hours and hours of your time can be taken as a condition of your employment during these union campaigns by the boss to fill your head with anti-union propaganda. Um, How do you feel about a right of response instead of a ban on captive audience meetings? Brandon? We lost him. Uh-oh. We lost him? We lost him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> did it, like the meeting ended. The meeting ended. Okay. And we got dead airspace. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh. Uh. So. Uh. <laughs> we've had an issue. Uh. We've. <laughs> we've had an issue with. Um. With Zoom because. Uh. W- w- our, our account. We we got to apparently um, apparently we lost our pro account for for a bit and can you get the meeting back up? No, it's not even letting me. It's not even letting me go. To, mm. uh, add a fucking pro account now. It's, it's basically blocking me, so we're fucking shit out. Well, um, yeah. So we're just okay. Well, Brandon, if you could give me a, give us a call at 1-866-494-9866, that would be great, uh, so that we can continue the conversation. Sorry about that, folks. Um, we have gotten a uh, uh, we man. Today has just been a day. I don't know. So I didn't tell y'all about this uh, before, but I on the way in, um, my my engine basically went kaput and uh, so I had to uh, uh, luckily today was a day that i i came in early and so we were still able to get in without any um without any uh any issues um with that but uh, but
3: uh but with everything else it's been an absolute struggle this morning including no commercials including the zoom account being canceled it's crazy uh so yeah and Jacob's trying to get him to call in, and maybe if we can get him on the on the telephone line, then we'll continue the conversation. Otherwise, we'll be more than happy to take calls from uh, callers and uh, go from there. I mean, one thing that we definitely wanted to talk about this morning was the mine workers going on strike yeah. two days ago and uh, the great support that they've been getting and the solidarity that they've shown on their picket line so far, which is early early in the game but mm-hmm. uh, man it was it was super strong whenever i was down there yesterday it was it was it was beautiful to see uh and there's there's 1100 of them down in brookwood alabama they're uh fighting for a fair contract and when we say a fair contract they gave up 8 dollars an hour uh, i think it was 4 years ago when the company went into a bankruptcy but uh mainly because of mismanaged Uh, venture capitalism and uh now they're asking them for another seven dollars an hour to give up i mean you're talking about a fifteen dollar an hour pay cut over the past few years is insanity absolute insanity i don't know anybody or their family could withstand that kind of of uh of a pay cut And, and and not only the pay cut but they're also asking them to uh, pay more for their health insurance now on top of a $15 an hour pay cut. And the health insurance is going to be uh, worse. It's it's a terrible situation. So we all need to come together in this state and support those workers in every way that we can possible. Uh, they Right now, yesterday, where they were asking for burn barrels because it's uh, cold at night and as much water as people can give them. So if you can... Make your way down there with some cases of water. I'm sure they'd be very appreciative of that.
1: We get him back on the line? Yep, we got him back on the line. I think I got him back on the air. Brandon, can you hear us?
3: Yeah, sorry.
1: Hey, no, that was our fault. That was our fault. So we, so, so the backstory there is that we did a series on Bolivia that we needed translation for, um, and we had the Adelante Alabama Workers Center down in Birmingham uh, do some translation for us, and so we had to get a, a Zoom translation account, and uh, some, uh-huh. we we had some issues with that. Uh, we didn't want to pay like a whole year of translation services for one. We just wanted one month, and so uh, some, uh, okay. and, and so we we had some issues, and and, and apparently we were using a free. Account count there so but we've got you back we've got you on the phone now and so the question was how do you feel about a right of response going back to the pro act how do you feel about a right of response instead of a ban on captive audience meetings is that something in the cards oh
4: sorry uh now that i mean that that uh, that was attempted by the nlrb2 back in the 40s and 50s when um when they dropped the approach to banning captive audience meetings at all so that kind of shows you right there that the original ask was to ban them in general. And then they tried to make a accommodation by saying equal, equal access. Um, but I, I, I'm i just skeptical that if you give the employer footing at all in this arena, mm-hmm. um, I think that it, it just kind of amplifies the problem that's already inherent in the workplace, which is they have more power. Yeah, um, right. yeah, sure. If you give them, if you give the union an equal right to, to have their own meetings, it's one thing, but. The employer still is able to hold over the employee's head. Hey, I control your paycheck. I control your right. work schedule. I, I control your entire your entire ability to work here. Really. So if you, if I mean, it is powerful. I think to give the union a a equal footing, and you know, I, I much prefer that over the current situation where the right. union has no equal footing and the employer's allowed to do it at will. But I think that when you still mass employees into a a, a room at, in the workplace, you're basically ratifying the current power structure that's already in place and it's in whether the employer is still allowed to say the same things or not i um he there's still the implicit understanding that he has the power here and so i think not not allowing him to even open the forum at all is is more powerful in my opinion
1: right i agree with that i and i think that i think that the the coercive nature of uh, the boss in the workplace um, is, is really even if you give uh, equal time, it's still not the same. It's still not the same. So I agree. I think a ban is better. Um, and uh, so, uh, some other things that would be changed and and. and I'm wondering if the mailbox that, that was put on Amazon's property that both Amazon and the Postal Service are saying that they didn't put up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, and that the NLRB told Amazon, no, you cannot put a mailbox on your property for this election. Um, under the pro- I think that's pretty clearly an unfair labor practice. That act alone would... That would institute under under the provisions that we were talking about earlier, um, because the bargaining unit has showed majority support already. They they would have won a union because of that unfair labor practice, right?
4: That's exactly right. And That's a great example because um, lot, first of all, I think it's an unfair labor practice, or it's at least interference with the election yeah. under right. current law. So I think the if the union can show at all that Amazon had any access to this work box, this this ballot box going um, can have a real good argument to set aside this election if they lose it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the trap that we fall into, exactly. right? And, and that's and what would be changed under the practice. under current law, you can re, you can set aside an election and then have another go, spend a bunch of money to try and do this again. The employer can commit right. on for labor practice to get the result they want, and trap you in this litigation loop. Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe one day you can get a bargaining order. But under current law, it's really hard to get that passed in the reviewing federal circuit courts because mm-hmm. one, after three or four years of litigation, you know, you've got the unit with a 30, 40, 50% turnover and the employer. I mean, the, the courts have been in the past, at least they've said that when there's that much turnover, that's no longer freedom of choice for the employees. You have to give them another election. So it's this kind right. of laughable idea of, of, uh, that the, that you're, that you're protecting the employees by basically forcing them into this endless nightmare mm-hmm. of trying to, or uh, enforce their rights but the pro act like you said would um it'd be a very hard strict standard of oh you interfered that shows not good faith therefore bargain with the union as long as they're able to show majority support beforehand right um and so it's it it completely changes the calculus for the employer where on the one hand under current law they can commit these unfair labor practices because the the remedies are very weak but under the Pro Act, it's going to be wow. Uh, if I commit any unfair labor practices, bam, I've got the union. So what's right. my incentive to commit the unfair labor practice?
1: That's exactly right. How else do you think the uh, the Amazon union election would have changed if the Pro Act had been law?
4: Well, like I mentioned earlier, so the uh, the pre election process would have been completely different. The union would have almost certainly gotten its pr- proposed unit for the election. It uh, would have been the fifteen hundred that they originally wanted, without the employer there to gerrymander the unit. Uh, Because he has no standing now under the PRO Act to to these processes, Um, he's not there to to quadruple the the, the voter list. Um, So they would have had, you know, they they felt, obviously, they felt very confident about the unit that they petitioned for. So then, and and then couple that with the the Amazon really not having any incidents to commit unfair labor practices, then you've got a real, real good shot at the election. And of course, the PRO Act speeds up the processes themselves. So there's less time for the employer to commit any, to, to do any sort of negative campaigning. Um, and under the Pro Act, uh there's also a there's the remedies which are really important in terms of uh, actual fines themselves. The the uh, the current law does not allow the NLRB to order any sort of punitive damages at all for basically violating the law.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's talk to us. Uh, 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 that is, you know, that's just. One more thing that you, I didn't realize the NLRB has no authority to issue punitive uh, measures like like in, in, in the form of fines.
4: No, zero. The all, the, all they wow. can do is uh, they can restore if you fired a worker for a blatantly unlawful reason, a.k.a. he was organizing a union. The most that they can do that the Supreme Court has allowed them to do in interpreting the NLRA is to restore him into the workplace with back pay. Yeah. And you know maybe that has some like symbolic power of like oh you tried to fire him and he's back right but the actual like monetary calculation is fire the worker because what what's the what, what's the worst that's going to happen I pay him back pay deducted under the law also forces the uh, the, the worker to have deducted from any uh, remedial fines the, the the amount that he made. During the time, the years that it takes for the NLRB to reinstate him, any money that he made during that time at a new employer is deducted mm-hmm. from his back pay. So the so the so the uh, the offending employer under the NLRB gets a discount for their unlawfulness.
1: Right, yeah. and there was a there was a study or, or a, a story that just came out last week, a couple weeks ago, where somebody was reinstated but uh, from a firing for organizing from twenty seventeen. Four years ago, it, that's, that's that's normal. Yeah. I mean, you know, this type of this type
3: of yeah. this type of, uh, of litigation gets drawn mm-hmm. out for years, and and it's in the it's right. in the employer's best interest yeah, to do everything they can. And the worst the worst that happens is okay. they have to put up a little flyer mm-hmm. on, on their bulletin boards and say, "We violated the law. We're sorry. It won't happen again." Right. I mean, that's that's justice right. in America in the workplace.
1: Mm-hmm. So, what are then new- you? penalties that, that under under the PRO Act, once it gets passed, what are the penalties that can be levied on employers?
4: So any unfair labor practice committed by an employer, um, each violation itself, is it, it's, up, it's a penalty of up to $50,000. Um, and then for repeat offenders, which is defined as any employer who's been found to have committed unfair labor practice within the last five years, um, it can be up to $100,000. And when you go back, and when you go tally up unfair labor practices committed by employers in organizing drives and NLRB decisions, yeah. they can, you know, each each time that a supervisor says, you know, like uh, if they surveil an employee, that's unlawful. If they say, oh, I've I heard the plant might close, you know, that's unlawful. Y- mm-hmm. You find that this sort of this this uh, this culture that's given around, that's that's built up around, oh, just like just violate the law, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, that would rack up for employers millions and millions of dollars very quickly. And, you know, for maybe for an Amazon, that's not a huge deal. But for the, you know, for an auto parts store that that has 15 workers and, you know, tries to bust the union, um, that could be a huge penalty that that really forces them to change that uh, their their approach to. Or really, I I, I, my my perhaps uh, rosy predictions are that for any medium or smaller sized employer, you really are just not going to try and bust the union under the current methods because it's going to be mm-hmm. extremely expensive. And it is not that hard for the, for the NLRB to prove these things. Yeah, right. um, The problem is the, it, it's hard. It, the problem has is, is always been it's hard for the NLRB to actually do anything about it. It's not been that it's hard to prove violations under law. It's that the violations don't amount to much.
3: Yeah, and in most cases, you will find that you know we're we we constantly refuse to file ULPs because we we know it's it's a it's a it's a losing cause. I mean, we uh, I was in an organizing drive a couple of years ago where the company came in and said. We'll give you one hundred percent employer play employer paid health care if the union don't go through the problem is yeah we can we can file a ulp and and run another election but then who's the bad guy in that scenario Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden we're forcing the employer not to pay for your health care anymore and and it puts it puts everyone at a disadvantage and advantages the person that's actually breaking the law
1: Mm -hmm. and every time you tell that story i want to make sure everybody remembers that uh after the union threat was done uh, after after the campaign was over, uh, they lost their 100% employer sponsor.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, here. we're in the process of reorganizing <laughs> them once again. You know, but you know, as 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 all good things. Uh, yeah. Anytime the employer makes you a promise, they're going to go back on it eventually, and they did. So, yeah,
1: that's a, that's a perfect that's a
4: perfect description of why under the law. Why, people always ask, you know, why why is the employer forbidden from making promises, you know, benefits during a during an election? Because don't we want the employees to have better benefits? Isn't that the point? The union's there; he they got the benefits, whether you know mm-hmm. whether they won the election or not. Uh, it's because exactly like that, and there's Supreme Court case law that shows this. That the employer can just withdraw that the second they want once the union's defeated. Yep. that's a uh, that's a great illustration of it. And
3: we can't we can't run in another election for another year. So yeah, the the yep. employees are sitting sitting there on their hands, going, "Well, we made a mistake." Well, yeah, yeah. but We told you you were gonna make a mistake, <laughs> yeah, right. but now we're, we're our hands are tied. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, and and so you know the, the penalties. This is a good this is a good place for you to tell that story of that that your latest um, that that you came out after you did the article about what the Amazon election would have looked like under the Pro Act. You've done you've you've pumped out another article on Substack on Labor Law Lite. You should go follow Brandon Magner on Labor Law Lite on Substack.com. Uh, Seven point five million reasons to support the Pro Act. Tell us about that.
4: So, in addition to the fines that we were talking about for unfair labor practices, the act will also install a fine process for just not even recognizing that the NLRB gave you an order at all. There is currently no, like, accruing fine process for just saying, oh, I'm going to ignore what the NLRB told me to do. Um, And that's illustrated by a New Jersey contractor that... uh, he it was a classic salting situation where a a uh, an organizer in one of the building trade unions up there in New Jersey, he applied and the employer sniffed him out and said, Oh, he's with the union, and then he denied him work, made him created a new uh application process on the fly explicitly for him mm-hmm. and denied him work. And that is of course that's a violation of the law of section eighty three of the NLRA for anti-union discrimination. And The problem was the NLRB easily proved this. The employer didn't even bother hiring a lawyer, didn't show up to any hearings, never answered the complaint that was issued against them, anything, just pretended like this was all just happening, uh, that this was never happening. He ignored everything, the NLRB, they got the violations, they proved it at the board, then they went to the circuit court for enforcement, and they upheld it, said, yep, he violated the law. Doesn't matter, they didn't hire a lawyer, he his decision. The problem after that was when the NLRB tried to enforce its order and say, okay, you got to hire, you got to at least give this guy, they got to hire him with back pay because he would have been hired otherwise. Um, They just, they continued to ignore the process, never answered anything. Uh, NLRB went to federal district court to try and subpoena his records and enforce the circuit court order, which sounds silly, but this this is how long. And at this point, it's already been over two years since the NLRB said, you have to hire this guy back. And the employers have done nothing about it. They've completely just ignored the whole process. And just now, last month, they finally got a contempt order, a contempt of court saying, you're, you're just flouting the entire legal process at this point. And it's a $250 a day fine. <laughs> He's both up. It's been a month and a half at this point. So he has a 10, I, I calculated a $10,000 bill at this point, not counting whatever he owes the, the worker, you know? Um, right. And, that's 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 a that's, it's almost poetic because under the PRO Act for ignoring an enforced board order, it's $10,000 a day. Mm-hmm. So it very quickly, you know, instead of just saying, "Ah, you know, I got three years to not even to not even answer this screw this, you know, and, and that's important because the employer is making the calculation that, well, it'll cost me less money to continue being an explicitly anti-union shop. And not hire anybody during this time because I've got that. That's actually three years the government's giving me to just like say to just right. ignore them because only then will they go get their consent order. Um, the pro act says okay, it's ten thousand dollars a day from the day the NLRB makes its decision. Not when they go to circuit court, not when they go to district court, not when they get their consent order. Once the NLRB hands down that decision, and unless you appeal it yourself to the circuit court, uh, you've got to start paying that. You've got to abide by that order. Otherwise, it's ten thousand dollars a day. So and I got the 7.5 million number because I calculated from the time of when that board order issued in February 2019, he would have racked up as of to, as of last week he would have had a 7.5 million dollar bill for 10,000 days, 10,000 dollars a day that he's ignored the NLRB. Right, and so that just shows you the difference: 7.5 million dollars under the under the Pro Act, if you if you just completely flouted the law like this, versus 10,000 dollars.
1: I mean that's a, like that's really a, like he just he I, there was no even you know attempt to defend himself or say what I'm doing is right like he just he just straight up ignored the legal process and that is how lopsided our labor law is that you can just as a as a boss you can just ignore it completely without consequences for two whole years, I mean, imagine being a worker. Like, what? I, I don't even, I don't even know what the analogy would be. What a worker could be, could do that would be even comparable to that. I, I can't even think of one. It's, it's unfathomable. To. to uh,
4: yeah. yeah. Well, just under the legal processes itself, imagine ignoring the Department of Justice or something. Yeah. Imagine just saying, I'm not going to show up for that hearing. Yeah.
1: Imagine you'd be in jail. You'd or be in jail a ticket, for a week. Getting a speeding ticket. I mean, imagine just like not paying it for years. Like, you know, you're going to, like, it's going to rack up. And oh, you're so going to get a bench warrant. That's what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> a bench
3: warrant, and they're going to come to your house under threat of yeah. your life. And take you to prison. For a it's speeding yeah. ticket. For
1: a speeding ticket. Much less, you yeah. know, vi- flagrantly violating legal orders by the United States federal government for two whole years. Just to, just for a speeding ticket, think about what would happen yeah. if you just ignored it. It's absurd.
4: Yeah, and if I can real quick, I know that a lot of people, there's always a debate on the left over whether does organizing create law, or does law create organizing, whatever. Like, is there any point to amending the law if... if- you know, if the workers themselves aren't rising up, et cetera, I, I, I think, you know, there's some there's some credibility to that. But at the same time, it's like I think people who say that law doesn't matter that much have to realize that we don't really have a law right now. Right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like you can just as, as that case demonstrates, if an employer wants to just ignore it for three years, he basically can. And so I, I think there needs to be at least some sort of legal amendment process that allows workers to vindicate basic just very simple rights at this point. Yeah I'm,
3: yeah, I'm as far to the left as anybody when it comes to this uh, as far as uh, not really... Uh, caring about relying on the law, but even I realize that, that law and organizing are symbiotic. And yeah. in order to, unless unless no one is accountable to the law, and at that point, then fine, it's yeah. each man for <laughs> itself. But uh, right. so long as there's somebody that's willing to take me to jail for coming on somebody else's property and organizing in their workforce, then, then you have to yeah. recognize that we have to have an equal playing field.
4: Absolutely, because workers recognize Workers, workers know. I mean, they pay attention to the law. They recognize Mm -hmm. when the employer can do that to the organizer, and that the union has no even comparable method of enforcing law upon the employer that hurts your organizing
1: right Right. that's exactly i've talked to so many people i've talked to so many people here in alabama about about hey you should you should do a union about that when they complain about work and they're like oh well i'll get i'll get fired like the 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 value of of, of yeah that that's the value to an employer that the the popular perception is that getting a union in my workplace is so hard, I'll completely, I'll be homeless if I try to do that. If you could send this, even just the messaging value of passing the PRO Act and, and being able to point to that and say, look, we've got real mechanisms here. If, 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 if your boss tries to fire you, they're going to get hit, and they're going to get hit hard. That's, that's valuable. Yeah, we got about a minute left, Jacob. Yeah, we got about a minute left, Brandon. I'll let you. Uh, I'll, I'll let you have the final word. Have, have you got any closing thoughts for us? And and uh, thank you for your time.
4: Uh, just that I am. You guys have been obviously on the ground seeing everything happening. You know, me up here in the Midwest have been just trying to follow as much as I can the Amazon drive. And I just with with all that we've talked about this last hour or so about how the law is just completely slanted against workers. I'm just so in awe of the fact that at the biggest, most powerful company in the world in the deep South, that there's a union out there willing to take on that task and that this is kind of showing the light, you know, if they win, that doesn't mean we don't need the pro act. That just right, means bro. that they surpassed all odds to get their justice. And yep. we need the pro act because not everyone is going to draw the national attention of the media, like an Amazon drive, Yeah, yep. you know, that, this this is happening every day in America and the pro act is something that we need to actually create like a a like like they saying an, at least an equal playing field,
1: yep. Brandon, that's exactly right. Thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed it. Um, folks, make sure that you are subscribed to him on Substack.com. That is Labor Law Light, Lite, L I T E, on Substack.com. Brand- Brandon Magner is his name. You can follow him on Twitter at the same, uh, at Brandon Magner. This is the Valley Labor Report. We're going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about the mine worker strike on the other side. Stay tuned.
0: You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Storey and Jacob Morrison. This is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. News
1: starts now. We expect to hear from Georgia Governor Brian Kemp shortly, a day after Major League Baseball's decision, in response to Georgia's more restrictive new voting law to move baseball's All-Star game out of the state, ABC's Steve Ossensami is in Atlanta.
0: Georgia's governor says this state will not be bullied. And there are dozens of state houses across the country considering similar measures. This action certainly puts them all on notice.
1: Flags on Capitol Hill and at the White House flying at half staff to honor Capitol Police Officer William Evans. He died while on duty after investigators say a lone driver crashed through a barrier and attacked him and another officer at the U.S. Capitol. The suspect, identified as Noah Green, shot dead by Capitol Police. A new pandemic record for air travel. More than 1.5 million people passed through TSA checkpoints on Friday. This time last year, that number was 200,000. The new record coming on the same day the CDC announced it's safe for fully vaccinated individuals to travel. Dave Packer, ABC News. WVNN the attorneys at maples tucker and jacobs have stood with the working people of alabama for over 40 years providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims when you are injured on the job it can be a scary time But the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash thevalleylaborreport to support our work and keep us on the air.
3: Stuck
0: bleeding did I dead?
1: all I right folks welcome back died. to the valley labor report my name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story we just finished talking to Brandon Magner. you can uh, find him on substack.com uh, he is the author of labor law light um, and uh, uh yeah so so um, Just really quick before we before we start talking about the mine workers, um, if you uh, uh, if you like the show, if you if you support our work, um, you know as you can imagine, there are not uh, businesses do not line up to support. Uh, union Talk Radio. <laughs> so, if you want to support us, the best way to do so is um, by donating a couple dollars a month on Patreon.com. That will really help us to stay on the air. You can also buy a hat. Uh, TheValleyLaborReport.org. I really like our hats. Like I'm not just I'm not just blowing smoke up my bum. I think they look really nice. I think they are made really nice. They are union made. They're thirty five dollars. That includes shipping. Uh, TheValleyLaborReport.org. Uh, we've also got stickers. Stickers and bumper stickers, you can get those. Uh, they're like five and six dollars. The Valley Labor Patreon.com slash The Valley Labor Report. Uh, or if you are a member of a union in the area, or a progressive nonprofit, or even a business. Uh, and you want to advertise on the show? Let us know. Uh, you can you can message the pages on Facebook or Twitter, uh, anything like that, and we'll get you we'll, we'll we'll get you set up. We'll get you squared away. Uh, and yeah, so I just wanted to make that PSA really quick. And so it's,
3: it's important to point out because a lot of people are under this misconception that that the radio station, out of the benevolence of their heart, is allowing us to come on. And do this. And and some of my members even thought, well, he's getting paid by mm-hmm. the radio mm-hmm. look, folks, we pay for this airtime. The the and it is not cheap. If you can imagine what a commercial costs, an hour and a half of airtime on a radio station is not cheap. Uh there's a lot of a lot of supporters, the Alabama AFL CIO, mm-hmm. uh, Tucker's uh Tucker get it get it out what maple tu- tuckers and jacobs Ma- yeah. <laughs> Ma- Ma- uh, yeah yeah maple tucker uh, and jacobs. has been a, a strong supporter of the mm-hmm. iron workers but yeah. without all of these people
1: yeah it wouldn't be advertising
3: possible. then mm-hmm. yeah i mean we're, we're because basically our time is volunteered we, oh, yeah. we're given we, we five are- to ten hours a week dedicated to this show for free yeah
1: um, we may be almost break even at this point (laughs) almost almost break even i would say we're still in the red a little bit and you know obviously because the time is volunteer you know our time is our time is valuable uh we're we're doing this labor and 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 so you know consider consider supporting the show if, if you think what we're doing is valuable um and and our supporters on patreon are really our supporters on patreon now are contributing as much as our largest advertiser monthly which is good which is that's fantastic that yeah. is that really helps us um and so the more that we have that the less we've got to rely on ads and the more sustainable the show becomes um and, stuff well, and like the that. more so, that we
3: can get out and do things like today you're right. going down yeah. south and where, where we went to amazon where we went to the RWDSU. all of that mm-hmm. stuff costs money right right, Nothing, right bringing those stories is not cheap yeah and unfortunately, we don't have any uh, wealthy benefactors. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, David, the mine workers. Yeah, the we've mine got workers. some coal miners down in Alabama, in Brookwood, Alabama. Eleven hundred of them are on strike right now. Uh, they so so the backstory, as I understand it, David, you can fill it in if I uh, if, if I'm missing anything. But they have. Um, in 2016, Warrior Met Cole was nearing bankruptcy. The they were in bankruptcy. They were in bankruptcy. Yes. They were in bankruptcy. And to save them, the workers sacrificed $8 an hour.
3: On top of numerous. On top, on top of, of. On top of pensions for new hires. Mm-hmm, on top mm-hmm, of numerous mm-hmm. other concessions.
1: Yes, A myriad of concessions were made by the workers in 2016, and uh, including an eight dollar an hour pay cut. That's not. That's not. I mean, eight dollar an hour pay cut. That's that is huge. That is an enormous. That that's like that, and that's just salary. That's not the accumulation of all the benefits. That's an eight dollars an hour straight off of your salary on top of every other concession that they made. And now, fifteen hundred dollars a month. I mean, really? That's
3: almost $1,500 a month. It's, it's, two, yeah. it's a house payment in a large
1: mm-hmm, city. It's mm-hmm. probably two house payments in yeah. Brookwood. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And now the company is asking for more after they have come out of bankruptcy, after they're becoming more and more profitable.
3: After the 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 managers are getting, I think it was $30,000 bonuses last quarter.
1: $30,000 bonuses last quarter. Yeah. In a quarter. $30,000 bonuses for managers. That's some BS. That's nonsense. So now the company is asking for another $7 an hour pay cut. They're asking for more concessions on pensions, on health care, on all this other stuff. uh, While they're giving their managers $30,000 bonuses in one quarter. So the coal miners are going on strike. 1,100 of them have walked off the job and uh david you went down there yesterday lord willin lord willin i'm going down there today if my car i haven't heard back from the i haven't heard back from the auto shop uh so i don't know what's going to happen to that i I don't know what's going to happen with that and i don't know how hopefully the bill's not too much but hopefully i'll be able to go down there this afternoon david went down there yesterday talk to us about what it was like david uh uh on the picket lines
3: it was exactly what you would think that it was like during the nineteen thirties. Everything that you read from the nineteen thirties. Only difference is they didn't. Well, I mean, I say they didn't hold a gun on us. He had a gun on his side, so I guess he could have pulled it out at any time and not. But I mean, there's state troopers down there at all the picket sites. Uh, they are. They were very. When when I pulled up, the I got there early, but the workers have been out there all night. You know the workers are saying, well, they haven't been that bad. They they, they said they're on our side. And I'm like, yeah, well, wait till something happens. Mm-hmm. I promise you that'll change. Well, within 30 minutes of me arriving, the a gigantic 18 wheeler pulls up with uh with this I don't know what this is, some kind of earth moving equipment, but it was humongous. And so, and of course we're walking a picket line. Now the, the point of the picket line is to impede the flow of traffic in and out mm-hmm. to to put to put the company at a standstill well mm-hmm. the the state trooper did not like that mm-hmm. and uh he got out of the car screaming hollering threatening mm. uh you know and we're like we're, we're getting out of the way we can walk we don't have to we don't have to run to get right. out of the way you know but uh yeah i mean they're 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 going to do everything they can to protect mm-hmm. capital to protect this business and uh, screw the workers over but I will say, workers was they were solid, man. I mm-hmm. talked to I talked to probably thirty workers, and and I didn't hear one with any uh, any wavering in their voice. They mm-hmm. are out there to get what they what they deserve. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's good. It's good. There was a lot of young ones out there. It's like Jack's Jack Jacobs, one of the lawyers mm-hmm. that helps us. He mentioned last night that he was real proud to see a lot of the young workers, and I yeah. talked to one of those young workers that had been there. Roughly four years, and uh, you know he was standing strong. He was, he was, he was one of the ones that walked up to me. That, I mean, numerous thanked me for coming down, and you know, and that really speaks mm-hmm. to the labor movement in general. Is I'm all i have done was get up in the morning and drive right. down to walk the picket <laughs> line with them, and every one of them is over thanking me, shaking my hand. It it really speaks to. W- the solidarity uh you know and i was uh, it humbled me because i'm like look guys i'm just down here to help y'all however yeah. i can y'all are the ones going without food right now uh, right. however we can help you we're gonna help you and that's and that and, and to that point we should be helping them everybody in this community should be helping them because by them getting a fair contract it further bolsters our community when there's mm-hmm. more money in the community because these they look the, the it's the same with my company when when the company saves money it's going to Denver my company that money's going to Denver it's not helping anybody right. in our state when they right. have to pay more in wages and benefits that money as a, if you want to go to buy trickle-down economics that money is trickling down to the car dealerships to Lynn Layton Chevrolet over yeah. here to the restaurant industry the waiters and the waitresses are going to be getting some of that money it gets spent in the community Mm -hmm. so we should be doing everything we can to ensure these people are making as and i don't care what you think a fair wage is if somebody's got more money than you do be happy because you're going to get it they are going to spend it in 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 the community and it's going to increase your wages if not uh, exactly through the, their spending, it creates a vacuum for because the other employers have to start paying a little bit higher to keep good employees. and it goes back and forth. it's, 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 it's a free market. So anytime that an employer raises their raises their wages, all the employees at the other places are going to start saying i'm going over there to go to work and it right. forces these employers to bring up the wages mm-hmm. and that money gets spent in the community it's a wonderful thing yeah
1: yeah and you know coal miners are like they are they're the quintessential thing that everybody any union drive that i have ever yes. come across um, You know, the boss is always like, oh, we don't need a union, but, you know, those Good coal Lord. miners yeah. coal miners need a union, but we don't need a union. Okay, well, so here's some coal miners, and they're on strike. So, like, so to support, support them. them. Yeah, yeah, support them. Whereas, I, you know, so here's a challenge. Here's – I bet money that uh, there are Amazon supervisors and that there have been um, – Union-busting folks at the Anim- Animal Legal Defense Fund that that tried to uh, uh, bust their union. Folks at No Evil Foods, I think they actually dropped, uh, <laughs> dropped coal miners in their anti-union propaganda. Folks at the ACLU in Kansas trying to uh, bust their union. Uh, all these supposedly progressive bosses. You know, a boss is a boss is a boss, incidentally. But... All these supposedly progressive anti-union bosses just in their workforce. Here we've got coal miners in the 21st century being asked to take, since 2016, a $15 an hour pay cut. A $15 an hour pay cut since 2016. For a
3: company, this business is booming.
1: Yeah, they're out on the picket line right now. Support them support them. Amazon is not, Bessemer is not but 40 minutes away. I want to see every single supervisor from <laughs> from Amazon out there supporting them. I want to see them donating to the strike fund. I want to see Bezos out on the picket line with them. Yeah,
3: well, one of the most beautiful things I seen last night after I got home was mm-hmm. one of the workers from Amazon going over to uh, to Brookwood and sharing signs with the striking mine workers. So the mine worker mm-hmm. was carrying the Amazon sign. Right. She, for, uh, being the Amazon worker was carrying the mine workers, and it was just such a beautiful thing to see the labor movement coming together in the state of Alabama and and standing up for what we deserve. I mean, it, it was there was no, it really. Uh well you said one Amazon the the the, the state of the labor yeah. movement in Alabama in the last year.
1: Yeah, well you said one Amazon worker, but I don't know. I, oh, I saw sure that one. Noise. I saw that one, but I saw another picture that uh Applebaum, the international president of the RWDSU put out. Um he put out that uh, uh, uh another picture with a whole crowd of Amazon workers that had gone on the picket line to support them, and I think that's just beautiful. Um, it, it, you know, and that's that's the kind of that's the kind of energy that we need uh, going forward to build a strong uh, a, a strong labor movement here in Alabama. Is that we need to be able we need to support one another in in. In all the ways that we can, I mean, this is a, this is, I mean, this is, this is a big deal. This is, this is something that folks in the labor movement need to, um, w- we need to be there for these workers. And, and like I said, if if my car is, if if, if I'm able, I'm going to be down there this afternoon. And we're actually partnering with working people, uh, going to be having conversations with some of these coal miners and putting them out on the working people feed as well as our own feeds. So that's, I'm really excited about that. Uh, but, but you know, I'm. I'm so, you know, when I see folks standing up for themselves, not taking not ta- not taking the boss's beatings and and uh, understanding and knowing and fighting for what they're worth, um, or for closer to what they're worth. Of course, you know, uh, what these coal miners are worth is the full value of what they produce. And they don't get that. And they're not going to get that even if they get everything that they ask for in these contract negotiations, because there are still CEOs and there are still going to be bosses at the end of this contract negotiation. Uh, and And so they're not going to get what they're worth. But they know what they're worth, and they're fighting to get closer to that. Yeah. And, and this is about families.
3: It's mm-hmm. important to point out. I was on their page the night of the uh, – when when they were a, in the late hours trying to negotiate a contract, and one of the wives down there said, I feel like – she posted it. I feel like I need to start a Venmo account because we don't. I don't know how we're going to feed our kids, and so these are the struggles of families, not because. You say, well, then go back to work. Well, it's easy to go back to work until they keep taking and keep taking and keep taking yeah. until guess what? You're working forty hours a week and you can't feed your kids. So, go back to work right. is not the answer. So yeah. us supporting these workers is the answer. And if you're sitting there listening, and you're saying, "I'm four hours away. Get in touch with us. Right. If you, we, we will do everything we can to ensure if you, if you say if you're in if you're in Hartsel and mm-hmm. you say, "I would like to donate." to them but i don't want to drive down yeah. buy some water call one of us email one of us we'll get it down to them
1: yeah uh, yeah and they uh, i just talked to one of them i don't what is larry's position in the union do you know is he like the president spencer? or the vice president spencer, spencer yeah he's the vice
3: president of district 20 which okay, all okay
1: yeah so i talked to him yesterday or this morning and asked him uh, it was this morning that I asked them if they had a strike fund, and they're working on that. They're going to get a strike fund up uh, that people can donate to. Uh, so we will uh, we will tell you as soon as we know that. But um, it's
3: easy to buy water. It's easy. And there's to There's 1,100 water, yeah. workers down there mm-hmm. that's on the picket line. And they line. need
1: you said they need metal drums for fires. Like it's still cold at night sometimes, and I they've got to man the picket lines yeah. 24 hours a day, right? Yes, correct. 24 hours a day, there's got to be somebody out on that picket line, and it still gets pretty damn cold at night. So they need metal drums to make fires. If you've got any of those, if you're working the, in the construction industry. Uh, somebody tech- told me about where some were at in,
3: in Sheffield. If we, mm-hmm. I'm going to call them Monday. If they don't have any uh, the drums yet, then we mm-hmm. can get them. They're cheap. They were $15 for a metal drum. The problem okay. is going to be getting them getting down them there. Down yeah, there. Right, I got right. a trailer, but God knows... It's old, right. so yeah. Right. Get in touch with us. We will. We will, We need to support these workers, no matter mm-hmm. what. And I can tell you, we were on strike on our last contract. Uh, I, I have every no reason to doubt that we're not going to be on strike next year. Uh, I've got. Yeah. I've got a lawnmower that's that's. Literally, the wheels are falling off of it, and I told my wife the other week, mm-hmm. we were looking at buying another lawnmower, and I'm like, I'm going to duct tape this lawnmower to pieces to get us through the next yeah. year because, uh, you know, I don't right. know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, and, you know, I told somebody about it, about about those concessions that the company was asking for yesterday, and they were like, well, they're probably trying to keep them having a job. And I'm like, that's such baloney. Like, if they wanted to make sure, if it was out of the benevolence of the company, if it was out of the benevolence of the company that they were asking for these concessions, the first thing they would do is to cut their own salaries and to say, okay... Not give $30,000 bonuses. Yeah, that's a bunch of... That's just a bunch of horse crap. It's like, you gotta... like it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. It's yeah. so frustrating talking about yeah. coal miners going on strike because they have been asked to take a 50 an hour pay cut and to be told well the company's probably just trying to keep them having a job what a bunch of horse I mean just good grief the propaganda that has wormed its way yeah this is a good person like I love this person it's a good person but just the propaganda that has wormed its way into their mind and contorted their vision of the world is just it's sad it's so sad and you know And like David said uh, about, oh well, why do you go on? Why do you go on if you're worried about not feeding their family? You know, people they're asking, they're going to be asking for donations for the strike fund so that they can continue to feed their families through this strike. Well, if you're worried about feeding your families, you should go back to work. That is again this this pro corporate boss. Propaganda has wormed its way into your mind. The reason that they are going on strike is because they want to feed their families, because they want to support their families, because they want to support their communities and make sure their that their that their children and the people coming up after them have it better than they do, and at least have it the same as they do. And to say that if you're worried about Going hungry, you should cross the picket line, become a scab, uh, betray every single one of your brothers and sisters in your workplace, and undercut their fight for better wages and working conditions is so anti-worker. I mean so anti-worker. I, I somebody somebody else that I know was ta- talking to me about somebody that they knew that crossed the picket line and said said well well he had 7 mouths to feed. He had 7 mouths to feed. And it's like you don't think the union knows that? You don't think the union is going to do everything that they can to make sure those mouths are fed? And you don't think that the strike is that that they're going on strike because everybody's got mouths to feed, everybody gotta, everybody's got everybody got to feed themselves in the union, everybody's got to feed their families in the union, and just because you've got mouths to feed doesn't mean that you have the ability to undercut everybody else. The way that you continue to feed your families into the future is to stand with your brothers and sisters and against the exploitation of the boss to make sure that you've got good wages and working conditions into the future with your brothers and sisters not cowtowing to the boss and undercutting them yeah
3: yeah tell them jacob
1: <laughs> i mean look in in plain english
3: what we've done for the last 40 years isn't sustainable mm-hmm. uh, if you go back and look at any any data from the 1970s inflation has risen corporate ceo pay has risen workers compensation has dropped Mm -hmm. Inflation continues to rise, and yet you may think, well, I'm getting a 3% raise. But the problem is, if inflation rises 5%, then you're going backwards. Mm -hmm. And we have negotiated against ourselves, and when I say we, I mean workers uh, across the United States, have negotiated against ourselves saying, we'll continue taking less and less and less. And it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, what what I can buy now making the amount of money that I can make, that I make, is nowhere near what my father could make, you know, when he retired making the amount of money that he was making. Right. And and you look and you say, I can't, you know, we talk about it at work consistently. A lot of the guys at work like, you know, these big uh, Chevrolet pickup trucks, Ford pickup trucks. And everybody's saying, I cannot believe that the that a pickup truck is sixty thousand dollars. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. The reason that the pickup truck is sixty thousand dollars is because everybody is making money. It's raising the prices of the vehicles, except for the worker. The workers mm-hmm. are not keeping up with the cost of inflation. And if you keep continue saying we're just trying to keep everybody employed, being employed is a joke if you can't if you can't afford you know a vehicle to drive if you can't right. afford food to put on a table so it's this is not sustainable what we're doing we've got to change our mindset to recognize the value of your labor and right. the value of your labor is what the 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 company makes anything right. less than what the company makes you are forfeiting a percentage of your value mm-hmm. and giving it away for free right for well, nothing
1: yeah well you're talking about um I mean, that's exactly right. That workers are bargaining against themselves and fighting against themselves when they when they talk about this. And here's a hot take. Here's a hot take for you as we're going off the air.
3: We got about four minutes, three minutes.
1: Um, Union workers have never once asked for too much. That's what I believe. I do not believe that there is a single instance that you can point me towards where union workers in their contracts. Have been have asked for too much. That they have been unreasonable in their demands. That they have been the cause of. And 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 bargaining against yourselves is exactly what we're talking about when we hear. Well, it's the workers' fault that um, these automotive plants have been shipped overseas. It's because they got too greedy. They wanted too much money. They wanted to. They wanted their workplaces to be too safe. They wanted. Um, to be able to have a comfortable life in retirement, they wanted to have good health care if they had a heart attack. Workers have never the all of their demands were completely reasonable, and they have never once asked for too much. UAW has, now now has have there been people at the top of unions have have there been international presidents who have been corrupted and they have individually gotten greedy. And they have taken advantage of their uh, of their place in the union um, and been bribed by the corporations that they're supposed to be fighting against? Yes, that has happened. But have the workers, have the rank and file, have the demands of the union uh, in contract negotiations ever been unreasonable or asked for too much? No. The answer to that is no. And just to clarify,
3: because I just looked over here at the comments, Jack said that uh, Larry is the international vice president. So I apologize for fancy. Well, I mean, that's pretty big. International
1: vice president.
3: And the leader of UMWA in Tennessee and North Carolina South. So, Hmm. yeah, I I wanted to clarify that because I definitely don't want to take anything away from him he's been a strong fighter and uh i see him every year at the aflco and he's not only is he a strong fighter he's a good christian man Mm -hmm. and uh very very honorable person so yeah yeah, talk 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 anything about the miners and uh we'll we'll come to blows pretty quick over (laughs) that stuff because they're they're salt of the earth type people
1: yeah yeah Workers have never asked for too much. Who has asked for too much? It's been the bosses every time. While you're talking about workers being greedy, asking for too much, asking for 60, 70, 80, even $100,000 a year, how much is the boss taking? The boss is taking millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars a year. Who earns that money? It's the workers. The workers are the ones that create the value that the bro- that the bosses take, and unions are the best way for workers to retain more of the value and that they create for the company. You can't have it both ways. You can't
3: yeah. in one in one moment say that the exploitation in china and the slave labor in china and the Uyghurs and all of these people you can't take up for them and simultaneously take up for a company that that moves their work mm-hmm. over there exactly and, and, and blame exploits the workers. that labor
1: yeah blame the workers for the company going over and exploiting slave labor that's exactly right at just, buy American. Yeah. Buy American, buy union made, by our hats. They are both of those things at thevalleylaborreport.org. We will see you next week, and I'll be sending you some dispatches on Twitter uh, today to let you know how my car goes and uh, give you some updates from the picket line. W- see you next VNN week. WVNN Athens. WVNN FM Trinity. Cumulus Station. It's 11 o'clock. News starts now. From ABC
4: News, I'm Dave Pat.